Hello and welcome to the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nations, a sea of blue. I'm Big Blue Drew, got Aaron Gershon with me. Today is Tuesday, November 10th. Got a little holiday, at least for me, tomorrow with Veterans Day break in the week, so that's always nice, but tons and tons of stuff going on with football around the country and basketball. So this episode is going to kind of roll. We're going to talk some football first and then finish it up with basketball, so do kind of a couple segments. Um, What's up, Aaron? Everything going good with you? Going good, man. I mean, hey, we're finally starting to see some light, it seems like, while these COVID numbers are out of control. We got a vaccine announced yesterday. I thought, you know, it doesn't matter. Politics aside, doesn't matter who the hell made it. That's great freaking news. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like a, a bittersweet day because, uh, you know, the vaccine gets announced, which like the stock market and stuff was just booming on news of that. But then secondly, it was like it felt like it was the worst um, news day for the virus since it all began as far as numbers and cancellations and just impacts in the entire country. So it was kind of surreal, I guess, to, to know that a vaccine's on the way. I heard today, maybe as early as April 2021, regular Joes like you and me might be able to get it. So hopefully, man, how sweet would that be to roll into the summer with, you know, things back to normal? That'd be fantastic. But uh, yeah, all things considered, things going pretty well as we uh, – get another game week going and hopefully that game happens. Yeah, that's where I wanted to start um, with football. So obviously the COVID monster has come knocking again for Kentucky football and the SEC as a, as a whole. So I think right now there's only like four SEC games scheduled anyway for Saturday. And as we know now, it looks like Kentucky's game could be in jeopardy, even though late this afternoon, the university did release a statement basically saying, you know, they're ready to host Vanderbilt as scheduled, but Issues on both sides, Aaron. What's the vibe you're getting? Yeah, um, you know, it was interesting today. Today's uh, Tuesdays are always offense day as far as media goes. And if you remember Monday, Mark Stoop said he was down three offensive staffers uh, due to COVID issues. And Eddie Grand, who was supposed to speak today, did not. And instead it was Darren Hinshaw, the quarterback's coach. So obviously you don't want to speculate on one's health, but you've got to think. Uh, that Eddie might be one of those three guys affected, which will obviously make play calling and everything really interesting on Saturday. But And then as far as that, that's all I know about Kentucky having COVID issues, which uh, Kentucky's been one of the better schools in the SEC handling this virus um, from everything that we're able to learn as media. But it seems to be the issues are actually more on the Vandy side, mm-hmm. from what I'm understanding. If you remember, uh, Vandy was shut down for two weeks just about a month ago uh, with COVID issues. Their game against Missouri, I believe it was, is the reason why, you know, Kentucky's schedule had to flip because uh, Vandy had COVID issues and then Florida the next week had them. So you had to kind of help Missouri out since they didn't have any issues of their own and they had to get a game in. So it sounds like Vanderbilt still hasn't fully – uh, gotten over their recovery stage of this COVID and still going around there, um, which obviously, of course, you hope these kids are all right. That's the first thing, but makes you wonder what the heck is going on down there. But uh, it seems like the report from media was 50-50, and then obviously we get the positive statement from UK hearing that they still anticipate uh, action on Saturday. So we'll see where it goes. Um, regardless, this is a game, if it's played, uh, Kentucky's got to win and win convincingly if they want to get the crowd uh, back into these last four games at all. Yeah, must win and must look good doing it. We'll get into the to the actual specifics of the Vandy game here in a minute. So, yeah, we know that I have to assume traveling to Aaron, you know, with Vandy being, the I guess, the more 
ridden team with COVID having to travel probably is, is not helping things. And I'm just guessing here, but I would assume Thursday would be like the day. Thursday should be like the day where you really look at this thing, look at both sides, kind of gather insight from each coach and make a decision on whether this thing has to get postponed or not. Cause it seems like Friday might be too late. Tomorrow might be too early. So I don't know if they, have they said anything about that, Aaron? I mean, it seems pretty tight lipped. No, but I agree with you. You would think either we'll hear tomorrow or Thursday because you're not going to take the bus ride up to Lexington Friday uh, if you're Vanderbilt. Obviously, it's a noon game, and they're not going to drive the day of, so they would leave to come up here on Friday, uh, maybe even practice up here. So, obviously, that decision needs to be made in the next 48 hours. Um, hopefully, the decision is to play ball. That's what we all want. But um, it, it's a tough situation. That's what this COVID is. Obviously, three games this year – uh, or excuse me, this week have been postponed uh, with everything going on. But um, it, it's just – sorry about that. Dog's frustrated with COVID too. But um, it's just it, – it's impossible to predict uh, because of the HIPAA laws. Not Like the NFL, they've been pretty transparent about who's gone on – you know, who's been either infected or exposed because they have that COVID-19 reserve list that's public information. Uh, they just don't say if you're positive or not because it, you could also just have been exposed. But college is a lot different with, you know, college athletes who are not being paid. So really hard to know much of what's going on. Um, until we're told there's a game or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll just be speculating, I guess, from now to then. But like you said, hopefully they play football. I know it's Vandy, but noon game. I've been enjoying the noon games this year. Get up, get it over with, and um, enjoy the rest of the Saturday. But before we pick apart that game a little bit, Aaron, uh, Jack Pilgrim from Kentucky Sports Radio, who's the basketball guy, but he killed a um, he killed a football article I was reading earlier, kind of um, getting ready for the podcast. So. It's basically just statistics. So I'll, I'll put that up on the Cats by 90 page so you can check out Jack's article because it's very, it's very high level and really gives you a good snapshot. So it's basically set up with, like, the positives of offense, the negatives of offense, positives of defense, negatives of defense, kind of holistically through this season. So here's some stuff that really jumped out to me. So the positives on offense. <laughs> I'm sure that's, that might have took Jack a little bit. <laughs> But I'm top 10 in the nation, fewest penalties. So number eight, um, fewest penalties per game. Tied for 31st in tackles for loss. So top 30, I guess, in tackles for um, – fewest tackles for loss. So a lot of good stuff, I guess, for the offensive line as far as some of the positives. But anyway, when you get down to the negatives um, to, the, to the offensive line, there was a couple. Um, fourth down conversions was really not good. Um, 71st in the nation in total first downs, 101st in pass deficiency, which doesn't surprise anybody. So offense was kind of, I guess, what we know. But here's some stuff that jumped out to me on defense. So positives, I, I didn't realize that there are three defensive touchdowns a second in the nation. That's pretty cool. Um, tied for second in interceptions with 11. Kentucky has – so they're plus four turnover margin, um, Aaron, and they've only caused one forced fumble. <laughs> That's Yeah. Their amount of turnovers, non-force fumbles, but, you know, mainly interceptions with 11 has just been sick. And then um, number 18 in scoring defense and number 30 in total defense. So, um, real quick, negatives for defense. Um, there was a couple that I saw. Yeah, um, there were no fumble recoveries. They basically got no fumble recoveries. Um, 58th in the nation for fourth down defense, 54th for third down. So, they've had some trouble getting off the field. But we know, you know, defense top to bottom has been keeping them in games, winning them games. 
Yeah, and, you know, and the, the, the one thing with the defense that's concerned me, and even before Quentin Bohanna went down, and it'll be big that uh, QB will be expected to play uh, and be back for them on Saturday, is that they've kind of struggled against the run this year. If you look at the numbers, they were given up, well, I think it's 143 or 53 yards per game, which, if I'm not mistaken, I think ranks – uh, like 52nd, third in the country, middle of the pack, if not bottom in the SEC, bottom half. So uh, we obviously saw what Zamir White did to them uh, last week. We even saw that one drive with Tennessee where Eric Gray, I think, went 70 yards on one drive. Um, Jerry and Ely had some success when, with Ole Miss, and uh, Larry Roundtree uh, obviously had a big game against them. So I've been a little concerned at stopping the run. Uh, obviously, Quentin Bohanna being out didn't help that. And we'll see if that changes uh, this week. Vanderbilt does have a couple good running backs as one of their few strong suits. So that's been my issue with the defense. But, yeah, I mean, to start the year the way they did defensively and not have any turnovers against Ole Miss or Auburn and then to go get six against Mississippi State, four against Tennessee, uh, they obviously get another one against Georgia, another two, rather, uh, against Georgia. So they've done a great job at being, uh, you know, hungry for the ball. And last year, as good as their defense was – they rank near the bottom of the league in, in turnovers and picks. So good to see that number is improved this year. Uh, the offensive side of the ball, you know, the offensive line is obviously the strongest group on this team, mostly because not only talent, but continuity. But this year, obviously, I think it's been a little bit of a step back from last year. I think that's safe to say just because they haven't been able to, you know, press protect as well. The RPOs, which may be a misreads on the quarterback, have kind of set them up for failure. But I think the offensive line, I'm not killing them by any means, but it's definitely not what it was last year where they earned the name the Big Blue Wall. It's not, it's not quite that this year. And unfortunately, you know, Mark Stoops talked about it Monday that they're dealing with some injuries up there. Luke Fortner left the Georgia game hurt. Uh, it didn't sound very good uh, for his chances to play against Vandy. And he said another couple guys were beat up there. So we'll see what exactly that means, uh, I guess, maybe when he talks Thursday or on Saturday. So that concerns me a little bit. Uh, obviously, the quarterback play concerns me tremendously. I do think it's going to be Terry Wilson this week, just from all the tea leaves. Um, but it doesn't really matter to me because as much – I want to see Wilson out there because this is probably going to be it for him. And I honestly think just given his experience, he gives this team the best chance to win. Uh, I'm not sold with the Gatewood experiment quite yet. And I think Bo Allen is a true freshman. Uh, maybe he could get him by Vandy, but he's not going to do much against Alabama, Florida, or um, South Carolina. So uh, the quarterback, obviously, other than – you know, other than that, I guess the only other strong suit about this team has been the way Chris Rodriguez has played. He's had an excellent year. Uh, he's up near the top of the FCC in rushing, and he did it against a good Georgia team, you know, two weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, there's not much to like about the Kentucky offense, offense right now. Uh, there's a lot to like on that other hand about the defense. But overall, it's just this year has been so disappointing. And, you know, Billy Rutledge asked me tonight, on a big blue insider, if the Mississippi, if they beat Ole Miss, does that change my perception on just how this team is viewed? Which at two and four, you're thinking pretty colossal failure. And my answer is really no, because you lost that game to Missouri, who you've dominated the last five years, and they're going through a rebuilding phase. So for me, that was and, the game that did it for sure is Missouri. Yeah, that was, That's what really kind of broke it, I think. The Ole, yeah, the Ole Miss game obviously bothered me. But, you know, looking back at it and seeing how good Ole Miss's offense is, 
I mean, it frustrates you how bad uh, that, you know, your one good offensive performance you kind of blew. But at the same time, that game early in the year, whatever, it just doesn't kill me as much as the Missouri one does. So this year has just been tough. I and mean, you look, even look at the games Kentucky's won. I mean, if, it, if you didn't have the streak against Tennessee, how much would that game really mean just looking how bad Tennessee is right now? And Mississippi State stinks too. Yeah, I, was, I thought it'd be good to kind of go through and give, you know, report cards, so to speak, I guess. And I think it's kind of we know, but you're right, man. It, just, it amazes me just the polar disparity of this season. Like, there was just weeks when we did this podcast and, like, man, you could really be touting this team to win seven games, you know, challenge the East. And then there's times we did it, like, after that Missouri game when you just didn't even want to talk Kentucky football and it was kind of just a train wreck. And this one's important, man. Let's talk about the Vandy game because it's really important. Not only does Kentucky need to win, obviously, as a 17-point favorite, but they need to really look good doing it, I think, just to capture the engagement of the fan base and maybe even themselves within the program. They just got to lay the hammer to them. But, you know, the more I've looked at Vandy, I mean, the defense isn't going to be able to win the game on Saturday like it did against Mississippi State and Tennessee. Vandy, with this true freshman quarterback, they're going to they're gonna chuck the ball around, throw some, some weird <laughs> passing schemes at Kentucky. So, I think they're going to be ready, need to be ready to play. And specifically, they're going to have to put some points on the board. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. I agree. I, I mean, I, I think that this is a game Kentucky should win. But to say, to chalk it up as an automatic win like you did at the beginning of the year, it, it, you can't do that anymore, unfortunately. That's just not how, that's just not how <laughs> Kentucky hasn't played well enough to give them many wins automatically. And what Concerns me a little bit about Vanderbilt, and I think it was actually Mark Stoops who made the point, is Mississippi State, as bad as they've been on offense, they've actually been uh, one of, if not the best defenses in the, in the league this year. League, how about the country? They've been really good. Um, they did pick off Ken Seals, the freshman quarterback, three times, but he also threw for 336 yards. Uh, Keon Brooks, the running back, runs for 100 and uh, 15 yards and a touchdown, averages almost six yards per carry. Those are really good numbers against a pretty good defense. So um, that you're definitely going to see Vanderbilt score at least, I think, twice. I think they could at least get two touchdowns against Kentucky's defense, which means unless you're going to get another defensive touchdown, you're going to need your offense to score three touchdowns or score at least two and get a field goal. And uh, they haven't done that the last couple of games. They only scored – what, they've scored 13 points combined in their last two games. And then if you look at the Tennessee game, uh, two of the touchdowns were on defense. So, and you know what? They, I think they've scored eight touchdowns all year. And their only touchdown on offense, eight touchdowns on offense, that is. And if you remember the Mississippi State game, their only offensive touchdown from that game, they were, the drive started at the two-yard line. So the offense is just, other than that Ole Miss game and the second half against Tennessee has been putrid. So you're going to need to light up Vanderbilt's uh, defense, which, you know, Vanderbilt's defense is not very good, but Kentucky's offense is not very good. Where Vanderbilt's offense can make things happen, uh, Kentucky's defense should be good enough to hold them to 14 or so. But it's pathetic, but do you even trust your offense to go score 14 points? I don't know if I do. I know, and I'm telling you, man, Vanderbilt's got some talent on the edge. They got a four-star guy out there, and they're going to throw the ball. And it was um, Ken Seals. It was his best game, you know, his last outing. He really settled in. So, who knows? I mean, they're, again, they're going to come out, I think, and really test Kentucky secondary, which obviously, you know, has been a strength with 11 interceptions. So, uh, you know, turnover margin to me is going to win the game. I don't think Vanderbilt can beat Kentucky unless they win the turnover battle. But you're right. I mean, Kentucky's going to have to put some points on the board, maybe make a field goal at a crucial time or something because 
I do think this game will be a little bit closer than maybe we hope or expect. But um, what about Quentin Bohanna? Um, what's the what's the latest on him, Aaron? Yeah, he's expected to be back this weekend. I thought so. Okay. Yeah, which is obviously huge given the fact that Vandy's offensive strong suit is uh, their running back play, which has been pretty good. So yeah, he's expected to be back. But yeah, going back to the point about it being a closer game, if you just think about Kentucky Vanderbilt historically, obviously last year down in Nashville, you and I were both covered that game. Uh, Kentucky got off to a terrible start. It was 14-3 Vandy. And then, you know, Kentucky went on and scored, I think, 35 unanswered to put the game out of reach. But that was obviously a lot of Lynn Bowden's doing. And then you look at – I know Kentucky has a four-game winning streak over uh, Vandy, but all the games have been pretty close. Even the one in 2018 when Kentucky had arguably the best team in program history, they won by one touchdown. So it's just not – it's always been a trap game for Kentucky. Uh, Vanderbilt has nothing to lose. They wanted – all actually – and they're playing to not be embarrassed because, you know, there's a good chance they go 0-10. And you look at their remaining schedule, uh, you could argue Tennessee is a worse team than Kentucky. But this is their probably – that and Tennessee are their only chances to win the rest of the way because they're not beating Florida, they're not beating Georgia. And the way Missouri has looked, looked against Kentucky and LSU, I don't think they beat Missouri either. So this is probably their last chance or at least one of their two last chances to not go 0-10. So they're going to be motivated to get this done, especially given the fact that this was a rivalry, obviously, that dates back to, you know, before, 100 years before we were born. That was, I believe, tied where Vandy actually had the series advantage before Mark Stoops arrived, and now Kentucky's won four in a row. So they're going to come in determined, just like Missouri did against them a couple weeks ago. It really it reminds me of that matchup, except – Obviously, Missouri is a far better team than uh, Vanderbilt. What happens if Kentucky loses this game? How bad is it? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's their worst loss. It's I, probably since maybe the te- definitely probably the worst loss when there were expectations since the Tennessee dud in 2018. And then overall, you're probably going back to before Stoops when the worst. Uh, that would it would just be a killer. And what it would really kill to me. Is recruiting because you already got a lot of the – I was talking to Justin Rowland on the BBI tonight. What he said is, you know, they're basically – the big names for their recruiting class next year are the guys they have right now. Jagger Burton, uh, Dakel Crowdis, Christian Lewis. They're probably going to – it's going to be three stars the rest of the way. And they're kind of playing defense now with the way they're playing right now because they're not necessarily attracting the big names because of how they're playing, but they're going to be fighting to keep those guys from going elsewhere. So if you lose this game, it could, one, kill recruiting in a big way, and two, there's going to be – I just – I don't see there being any confidence going to these last three games. You go two and eight, man. Uh, I'm not saying you're going to fire Mark Stoops or anything crazy, but uh, what's the fan base going to think going into next year? Are they going to go buy those season tickets? Or are they going to just think Kentucky football is back to sucking again? Yeah, it's going to be one shitty offseason for Mark Stoops if Kentucky was doesn't pull his you know, game out on Saturday. But I think they, they do. Like I said, I'm hoping they look a little bit better doing it than I'm kind of anticipating. But I do think Kentucky wins. We'll go ahead and do predictions. And But before we do that, real quick, Aaron, so you do expect Terry to get the nod on Saturday and kind of be the guy. And um, if things go well, he's, he'll remain the guy. Is that kind of your, your th- thinking? I do. I do think he's definitely going to start on Saturday. And I think that – I think he'll be the starter the rest of the way as long as he's healthy. The question is if, you know, in either direction, if this game against – if Kentucky's able to blow Vanderbilt out of the water, like, you know, on paper they should – or, you know, they go down to Alabama and they're just getting their crap kicked in 
and they're down 38 nothing or 38-3 late in the game, I think then you have to get Bo Allen some reps, uh, maybe even Joey Gatewood a little more. But I think that everything that Terry's gone through, uh, the fact that he's, you know, one, I think he's two and three this year in his career. He's only lost five starts. Uh, I I think he's the guy that you should ride with. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I got prediction on my end. So, oh, man, I really hope Kentucky can score 24 points. So I'm going to say it's going to be 24 to 17 Kentucky. Ugly first half. Hopefully they, they make it look a little bit better in the second half. But I'm going to put a caveat in there. I think if Kentucky can get rolling early, if they can maybe have a big play on offense, a defensive score, they might better push it up and, and run on Vanderbilt. And particularly keep your eye on Kentucky secondary versus um, Vanderbilt's kind of skilled position players. So that's about the only way I, I see Vanderbilt being Kentucky. So 24-17 cats. Yeah, I, I like Kentucky to win this game, too, and I think that you kind of nailed it. I think the secondary is going to take advantage of this younger quarterback. They've done a really good job, really, against every quarterback other than Matt Corral and Bo Nix this year. So I have confidence that they'll be able to handle uh, this quarterback with Vanderbilt. I think they'll be able to get a pick or two. Uh, I don't think the offense is going to do much again, though. I have very low expectations. Uh, so I'm going to say 20 to 10, Kentucky. Taking my head, man, just talking about um... – Kentucky football and just having zero expectations for scoring touchdowns against Vanderbilt. But, hey, who knows? Saturday's a new day. They might better start putting some things together and have a good back half. But let's talk some basketball, Aaron. But before we do that, we're going to take some quick sponsor breaks. All right, and we are back on the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nations of Sea of Blue. Make sure you're following us at Cats by 90 on Twitter. Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon here. So we just did a bunch of football in the, in the first segment, if you caught that. And, man, what a newsy basketball week, couple weeks. And if you, you remember last week, Aaron, I was kind of like getting a little heated up for basketball, but it still was tough for me without the schedule being finalized and me just being able to see every game on that sucker when it is on what it looks like, and, and we did get that over, you know, between last podcast. So I'm excited, and, and as expected, but, man, Aaron, Kentucky has one impressive schedule. Yes, they do. Um, I believe it's, what, five teams that are ranked in the preseason AP poll heading into the year, and I, you know, I'm kind of annoyed. I wasn't, you know, all the fans are, this is going to happen no matter if they're ranked two any, if they're ranked anything but one, fans are going to complain about their ranking, right? And to be honest with you, I'm not educated enough on the other teams around the country outside the SEC yet. Just with all the football going on and the COVID stuff, I haven't wanted to read all too much into it. Uh, so I, them being ranked at 10 to me with all these newcomers, I thought was pretty fair. So I'm, I, I, that's not the bone I have to pick. It's the SEC. Uh, I think Kentucky and Tennessee were the only two teams that came up ranked. And you saw what Arkansas was able to do recruiting. And I believe uh, is, Mason Jones is not back, right? Is he gone? I look at LSU, too. LSU wasn't ranked. I didn't see that. Yeah, LSU was the highest team vote-wise to not be ranked. And then Auburn not even ranked. So I was surprised to see the SEC kind of left out of it. A lot of Big Ten teams in there. A lot. So uh, hopefully the Big Ten lives up to the hype. But um, – yeah, it's a brutal schedule. I mean, can John Calipari, I don't know if it was quite the you're going to think he's on drugs schedule, but it's definitely a difficult road. And then the conference we already know is going to be pretty good this year. So uh, it's not going to be easy, but I do think that this Kentucky team, while they're going to be new and we'll probably see that early season ugliness that we have the last three years, really, 
I, I do like the fact that they've kind of all been together in a bubble, what, now since June? So maybe the continuity is a little further ahead uh, than some of those other teams that obviously had, you know, ch- chances to go home or they went on the Bahamas trip or done things, you know, away from campus and then – I mean, I guess not the Bahamas trip but because they're together, but just, you know, during the summer, they're occupied. They're kind of being able to go meet people in Lexington. They're able to spend more time with their families. So maybe this will be good from a continuity and building standpoint that some of the early rust that we've seen the last couple of years won't be as, you know, damaging. But <laughs> they're going to have their hands full. I mean, UCLA is an up-and-coming program. We all know what Kansas does year in and year out. Uh, Notre Dame won't be an easy game. Uh, Richmond won't be an easy game. Yeah, only so only um, three total games I think on this on the schedule are nine Power Five games, and then one of those three is Richmond, who's predicted right. to win their conference. So going to be tough, man. They're going to have to come ready to play. But I like how the schedule is kind of set up in those quadrants early in the year. So they're going to almost look at it like mini little tournament to prepare for these teams. But since you mentioned COVID, Aaron, I actually had um, Nick Coffey, who's a uh, Louisville Cardinal guy, but really a, kind of a known voice here in Louisville. Um, he's the Cardinal Connect, and he has a morning radio show. And we were talking about this Kentucky versus, you know, Louisville basketball and all that stuff this year. And I commented on the NBA bubble and the fact that I, I don't watch a ton of NBA, but I did with the bubble. And I just, like, noticed vividly the difference in the product, man. Those guys were just locked in. The quality of basketball was better. Um, so I think you're right. I think we're going to see some of that with this Kentucky team. But the only difference might be is that the other teams kind of have those same advantages. So I still kind of expect maybe Kentucky to struggle a little bit early. But ultimately, um, even with the limited crowds, I think overall in college basketball, we'll see a, a little bit better product. Um, you know, maybe or just these teams might just look a little bit more polished. Yeah, they're definitely – look, they're going to be rusty. There's no doubt. They always are early in the season. Really, every team is early in the season. But I think one advantage, too, is, yeah, you're right, that almost every team has had these circumstances. I don't know if every team's had the comprehensive bubble and been on campus since June like Kentucky has. But um, what I will say is this is a year where normally, you know, you look at the recruiting and unless it's like Duke's class when they had Zion, RJ, and uh, – Cam Reddish, uh, you kind of throw it out the window when the season starts. I mean, but this year it, it pays to have the number one recruiting class coming in and pays to be the more talented team because everyone, like you said, it's going to be rusty for everyone. Maybe not as much the veteran led teams, but definitely the big fish like the Dukes, the Kansases of the world. Maybe just having more talent and also a chance to bond. Maybe they're a little less rusty and just better than some of the other teams across the country. But, yeah, I think it's going to be another – it's going to be very similar to what we're seeing in college football this year where everyone kind of just beats the hell out of each other and you never know uh, who's going to win. And I posed a good question that I haven't thought about in comparison with football, but with the COVID aspect. And I think you could argue that for football it would be a detriment because, you know, you're not, you're not hitting – I mean, how many times can you run a route with the quarterback and throw it to somebody? You need multiple people for the most part to practice football unless you're doing some type of strength training or footwork or whatever. So I would think basketball, man, you know, there's all the shots these guys have, you know, been able to get up. We've seen it time and time again on all these videos all summer and spring. So I don't know, man. It'll be it'll be fun to see, I guess, not only this team's continuity, but kind of around the country. But I would think from an individual skills development standpoint, and I've even seen this with like my own daughter and and being around the AAU circuit, like there's so much more individual work going on and has went on over the last like six months than before. So I don't know, we might see guys looking 
you know, better than we would have had there not been COVID. And one of those guys is getting on the buzz. And we talked a little bit about it last week is um, Isaiah Jackson. So are, are you buying all the Isaiah Jackson hype, Aaron? I, I'm trying to keep my expectations, you know, just at, I guess, normal. But it's hard not to buy into at least some of it. I, I thought today when he spoke to the media, it was very well spoken, very articulate, uh, which is always a good sign, uh, of course. And that usually the mentals are the number one thing. So you can tell those are there with him. Uh, you know, BJ Boston called him a pro last Friday. I don't know. It's impossible to know if we can go that far, but it, that's, it's a good sign. Well, his uh, comment too, Aaron, we, I mentioned this last week when they're, you know, every, basically everyone's touting a shot blocking ability. They're like, he can step out and hit a three. He's got some mid range game. Talked about playing guard in high school or whatever when he was younger. So he has some skill to his game, but his main deal is just, you know, BJ Boston and all these, you know, soon to be pros and lottery picks are just talking about how he blocks every shot all the time. And he commented today or whenever yesterday and gave kind of a paragraph quote about um, just how it comes natural. He doesn't do anything. He never practiced it. And that's so much a shot blocking what I was saying and how big that is that um, apparently they have a completely natural, effortless um, pogo stick shot blocker, which it seems like it's, it's been a little bit. Anthony Davis. <laughs> it really feels like it's Willie, too. You can go Willie. Oh, no, let's think of some more Willie. Marcus Lee. Richards last year was a very good shot blocker. Yeah, so th- that's so much of it, too. Like, again, talking about my daughter, I'm trying to teach her to kind of work on her shot blocking, and it's like it's so difficult to do. Like, it's just such a timing thing. It's a knowing which arm to use based off instinct. So um, I'm excited, I guess, for the shot blocking thing because I think – whether or not he's two to three, four, five more points better than we thought, like scoring average, um, his ability to kind of erase some shots and give Kentucky's guards a little bit, especially the length that they're going to have on the perimeter um, to take maybe a little bit more chances and gamble. That really excites me because that's when you get run out dunks and, you know, you're playing an exciting brand of basketball when your guards can gamble a little bit on the perimeter. I mean, if you could have like a – what he sounds to me is he sounds like a – you mentioned Willie, Nick, even AD. He, they, he, the reason I brought up AD's name is because, you know, Isaiah Jackson kept bringing him up today about mm-hmm. how he became a Kentucky fan after watching Anthony Davis. He obviously is wearing Anthony Davis's number 23, I believe, for that reason. So, the and the shot blocking, we all know that's what Davis really – I mean, he, he had no offensive game in the national championship, but he blocked, like, I don't know, what, six shots, something like that? So – uh, obviously, that's why uh, he reminds me of him. But if he could – you mentioned the three ball. If he could be like a P.J. Washington shooter and then like a Willie Cauley-Stein shot blocker, I mean, you're talking about a consensus All-American. All right, I'm going to say this, and I could be totally off base. It'll be something we'll keep our own over the next few weeks. But part of me worries is few guys on this team are going to shoot too many threes. I don't know. Just based off all the stuff we've seen, kind of what I was going back to, all these shooting drills and stuff – um, I just keep hearing about everyone improving their jump shot, which I mentioned previous as a positive, and I do think so. But kind of reading through that, oh, a lot of the guys talking about him stepping out, shooting threes. We know Kyle don't play that for the most part, um, letting the big guys do a lot of that. But it sounds like he can make them. So, so I have to see how that goes. A few more um, basketball tidbits, Aaron. We'll start wrapping up. So the schedule's done. Kentucky um, posted number 10 in the AP Top 25. Love that, Aaron. That's the sweet spot for me. We're clearly, like, good enough have enough talent preseason to, you know, make a run at a national championship. But expectations aren't stupid high to where they just, you know, we have one player or whatever that they expect to kind of carry Kentucky and be 
you know, one, two, three, four, top five preseason team, which is what we normally see. And it kind of surprised me because this team is so much deeper with quality talent. You think if there was one time they were going to trust Kentucky to, to look good early, it's now. But um, I'm excited about the, the preseason top ten. Do you think that's about where they should be, Aaron? I mean, like I said, I honestly don't know too much about some of the other teams in the country. I do know Iowa, who's up in that top ten, is expected to be special this year. Obviously, Gonzaga, you know, Kansas, some of the teams up there don't surprise me. But, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that ten gives them kind of that chance where they're, you know, they're feeling like maybe they're underrated and they could use that as, you know, bulletin board material. And they're also at a point where – they're not <laughs> the the pressure is not on them like it was when they beat Michigan State as number two, were elevated to number one, and they lost to Evansville. So at least I think uh, yeah, I mean it's just a perfect spot. It, it's not too high, it's not too low. You can play your underdog role or mindset and take it from there, and then you could also keep some pressure off you, just knowing that you're not considered uh, a top five top two teams like you were last year or even the year before that. Actually, this is Kentucky's lowest preseason rating since 2011 when they were ranked 11. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I didn't realize it was that, that many. So, what, that's nine full years and being in the top ten? Amazing, amazing. So, again, it's kind of a good and a bad thing because almost always struggle and then catch that criticism. It's just like a, a broken record every year. And then it's almost like the, the fan base and the nation forces these kids to kind of come out of like a mental rut to ultimately make a run when we know it's, what's going to happen. But um, real quick, I wanted to ask one more question and we'll wrap it up, Aaron. Is there one sense of schedules now finalized? I guess we knew most of the games, but is there one game in particular that you're most looking forward to? I think there are two for me. One, uh, I'll stick to non-conference just because you already knew what the conference is going to be. Uh, the One is UCLA because I'm very intrigued by what Mick Cronin's doing out there. I think that last year went better than they expected. They probably were going to win that conference and be in the tournament last year. So, And Mick Cronin's just such a – he just doesn't fit UCLA. He's a great basketball coach. I really like him. I know a lot of people don't, but I really like him as a coach. But – he's just so mild mannered and so just calm and business oriented that he doesn't fit Los Angeles, if you know what I mean. And also you obviously have the intrigue of Johnny Juzang Um, or revenge game, I guess for him, you could say. And the other one's got to be Texas. Um, I think obviously of the Jay Lucas storyline, Kentucky was right there with Texas for Greg Brown. Greg Brown ends up at Texas, so I'm interested to see him play against Kentucky and some of these guys. And also just what is Texas? Because Jay Lucas is the guy who's been recruiting for them. He's out of there. And Shaka Smart has been just a failure, uh, really. And I'm wondering, you know, if he loses that game to Kentucky and they're having a down year, could that be the last straw for him? So I think those are the two that stand out to me. Um, I'll say uh, Tennessee. I'm excited. Both Tennessee matchups are like they're within two weeks of each other, like February 6th and the 20th. Those two teams playing that late in the year, those are going to be some quality basketball games. Like I got those circled. I think uh, Kentucky, Tennessee's um, coming out with those last couple weeks in February is going to be kick ass. So I'm pumped, man. I'm really, really turning the corner for basketball. I'm, I'm starting to dial in. So Appreciate everyone listening. Over the next couple of weeks, and I'll start, I'll start doing a little bit more digging. I'm sure Aaron will start getting tidbits with all the people he talks to. But I'll start really as a, as more of us get more access to the program, I think, you know, we'll start to get a little bit more insight because it, it is tough right now because obviously all the news coming out is relatively positive and kind of hyping guys up here and there. So 
we'll dig in. We'll, we'll get as much information as we can. And um, I will talk to you. I will not be at the game Saturday, Andrew. I will not see you Saturday. Um, believe it or not, that, that's the one I'm going to choose to stay home, not, not a blockbuster. Yeah, I'm actually – I'm out for South Carolina just because it's holidays and I'll be back home. So, I uh, know basketball is going to be limited. Hopefully, we just find a time to meet up and COVID's over soon because this has got to be – this has got to end. <laughs> Amen, man. Well, hopefully the vaccine news is true and then, then yeah. you know, we're looking good on that note. But appreciate everyone listening and we will catch up next week.